everybody. Welcome back to We Dig Tennessee. I'm your host, Matt Mingus. Glad to have you guys listening. Um, hope everybody's enjoy- enjoying their uh, holiday season, trying to stay a little healthy out there. Um, I think we're going to have a great episode today. Uh, we got Zach Perconti from uh, Wyman & Associates with us. So, Zach, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Matt. How you doing? Zach, man, I appreciate you uh, joining us today. Um, for anybody that doesn't know, Zach is uh, with Wyman & Associates, and they kind of work on the hill on behalf of NUCA. So I guess a uh, busy time for you guys. <laughs> that's that's one way to put it. Uh, this seems to be one of the busier lame duck sessions in recent memory, and, and we're still not done. We've got another week at least to go. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Um, but man, I, so we'll, we'll get into that in here in just a second. I always like to kick these things off by just you know letting you give us a little background on yourself, uh, kind of where you're from, how you came to do what you're doing. Well, uh, so I've been with, with Nuka and Wyman Associates for about a year now. Prior to that, I was earning my master's in public policy at uh, George Mason University while working at their Center for Government Contracting. So, you know, most of my experience in the policy world, and I, I worked in the sector for a few years before that, is all in our little transportation and infrastructure world. Um, and I've grown quite fond of, of working here. You know, it's, it's very interesting st- topics that, that really do mean a lot for the average everyday American, you know, I mean, we all rely on this, the work that we do on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, in a sense, it's, it's one of those policy areas where it really does feel a little more real what you're doing about me. I'm a, I'm a lifelong Alexandria, Virginia native, uh, active hiker, um, active chef, uh, love cooking, love hiking. Um, and I love the beautiful state of Tennessee. I gotta say, I've only been there a few times, but you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to coming back to y'all soon. Well, good, man. We'd be happy to have you come down. Uh, we need to get you down for an event or, or get down here and do something with us and, uh, you know, get to know the chapter a little bit. We'd love to have you come down. As soon, well, as soon as we can safely all get back together right, and all right. that fun stuff. But, uh, all right, man. Well, um, before we get too into how crazy it is for you guys right now and, and what's coming up, I wanted to touch on a couple of things uh, that I haven't heard about in a while. Um, and I know COVID's thrown a wrench into everything and kind of become the main source of uh focus for everyone but what about the gold shovel standard i know last year at convention it got talked about a little bit and you know how to you know what 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 our plans were to kind of help contractors be able to you know avoid that thing man and as one of the um unfortunate contractors who has to use it uh i really want to see it go away and i totally understand that matt so over the year, it's, it's kind of, there've been a lot of changes at GSS. Uh, they've had some leadership changes at the top. Um, and there are some folks within the organization itself that, that aren't happy with the direction of the program and, and are making noises about, you know, maybe ending their involvement with it. So we've seen some, some significant shakeups coming from GSS at the national level. And folks are really listening to the concerns that we've put forward. Um, you know, my colleague, Eben Wyman has been very vocal about his opinions on gold shovel standard. <laughs> I think it's no secret to all of us that, uh, you know, he's, he's one of the folks behind the push to, to maybe, you know, take some of the emphasis off GSS and onto programs that are a little more effective at damage prevention and are, aren't quite so eager to just pin the blame on the contractor. Um, so I'm, I'm optimistic about, you know, the way that things are headed with gold shovel standard. I think that we're making a real difference and that hopefully next year it won't be as much of an issue uh, for contractors around the country. Well, good. I, I like to hear that because it's, um, 
you know, I, I signed up for it cause I had to for, for one of my customers. And I mean, the program itself, just the way they, they sell it as it's going to be a tool for me as a contractor to help with my damage prevention program. And it provides me nothing. I get nothing in return for what I pay for. So it's a, uh, it's an aggravating process to have to be a part of. Absolutely. And, you know, that's that's one of the issues that we have with it is, you know, when you look at what Gold Shovel Standard has really done, frankly, there's not a whole lot. I mean, from from what I can see, the most thing that, that they do every year really is just take contractor dollars and provide nothing in return. Um, you know, I have I have yet mm-hmm. to see something concrete come of that, out of that organization that actually furthers damage prevention uh, the way that it claims to at least on the contractor side oh no you're absolutely right i mean i I, they take my money every year and then the only thing i get in return are some charts and graphs that they slap together with whatever information i put in there and those charts and graphs really tell me nothing uh or at least nothing i don't already know i mean i know where i hit those at and i know what i hit uh so it's you know, it just, it provides no value back for what, for the money we pay for it. So that's a, that's encouraging news. Uh, so I like to hear that. So along with GSS, I know Nuka and you guys, uh, really help them out on this while is with CGA. So how, how are we, how's it looking with CGA? Cause I, I know CGA and their dirt report has also been something that's been kind of iffy in my, uh, my opinion in the past, you know, it's another report that really points to contractors are the problem all the time. Well, you know, when you mentioned the Common Ground Alliance, NUCA is still very active and very supportive of CGA and its mission. Um, and that's another area where I really think that we're making a real difference. So as you know, there are now, uh, there, there is now a lot stronger contractor engagement with the CGA board. Um, you know, we have an excavator rep on the CGA board, John Fluarty. Um, and folks are really listening to the sort of things that he has to say, you know, too often it, it, it is easy to just blame the contractor for everything that goes wrong. Um, and you know, as contractors, we know that that's, that's not, that's not the case. Um, you know, damage prevention is a process that requires buy-in from all steps of the chain, not just the folks that are actually, you know, putting shovels in the ground. And I think CGA is, is starting to, adapt and adopt a more broad-based approach, largely due to the input of, of folks like John. Uh, it's another area that I'm, I'm very optimistic about going forward. You know, unfortunately, they weren't able to hold the sort of in-person events that, that they had been planning on this year. You know, it's another casualty of, of the uh, coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, once we're all able to get together again, we, we can see some real strong progress coming out of CGA towards how to make the damage prevention process a lot more equitable across the entirety of the industry. Well, good. Yeah. I like to hear that. And that's kind of the way I thought it was headed after a convention last year. Um, you know, it, it seemed like Nuka was getting more and more voice in there and, and doing a better job at representing contractors. That all sounds good. So let's get into a little bit of what you guys are kind of working on here with the lame duck session. And, and I guess before we jump into that, um, uh, you know, I, I signed the, the thing that came out last week from Nuka, you know, wanting to get this tax dealt with for the paycheck protection program. And then, you know, there's the deadline on it. We've got to get it done by the first of the year. How's all that, uh, shaking out? So just to give a little bit of background for folks who aren't in the know, um, when Congress created the PPP program, there was an intent that loan forgiveness would not be taxed. 
Um, similarly, there, the intent was that applicable expenses that were going to be paid out of the PPP, right? So your business expenses um, were also allowed to be deducted. Now that was Congress's intent, but when they wrote the legislation, you know, there was a little bit of, of, of room for error with regards to the language they used. So when that went up to the IRS, the IRS decided that they were going to interpret it differently. They have several times over the course of the year put out various statements saying, you know, businesses should be accounting for this in their taxes um, and that we are not entirely certain the way that we're going to handle this. And then and then fairly recently they came out and they said, you know what, we've, we've decided that our interpretation of the law is such that this is taxable and that you are not eligible to deduct business expenses from funds paid out of the PPP. Um, obviously, that's ridiculous. Uh, that is not the intent of the law. And Congress has been very upfront with that is not the intent of the law. You've had congressional leadership on both sides of the aisle uh, come out very strongly against the IRS's interpretation and, and say, this is not what we meant when we, we, we uh, wrote the law. Um, this was not the intention of the law. Uh, there's no basis for your interpretation. And the IRS has said that the only way that they're going to change that rulemaking that they, they put forward is if there's a legislative fix. Um, now, the good news on that front is, you know, because the opposition from Congress has been so strong on both sides, that is something that we're very optimistic will be included uh, in any sort of deal that they've reached. Language that would fix that problem and, and, and make it so the PPP loan forgiveness is not taxable and that expenses are deductible has been included in every draft of a stimulus agreement that we've seen come up. Um, and at this point, frankly, the bigger obstacle is not getting that language through Congress. It's just getting the stimulus deal through Congress. And that's going to be a pretty common theme in our conversation. Pretty much everything is that we're, we're advocating for has been, been wrapped up in this stimulus fight that is also now itself become wrapped up in the year-end government funding fight. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of good timing for us to be recording this. Uh, we're recording this on the 18th of, of December, and government funding right now is set to expire at midnight tonight unless they can come up with a deal before then. Oh, yeah, no, no pressure there. Right, you know, they've only got about 13 hours before <laughs> before we uh, we run out of money so no pressure okay all right so so that sounds great on on paycheck protection and and sounds like you know assuming they can get something done so but like you said time's tight here so what what do we should we be looking forward to or or looking at here you know even if they get something done to the end of the year they don't have much time to to sort this all out no, they really don't. And uh, frankly, they're feeling the heat as well. Um, you know, we've been in conversation with folks on the Hill all week. And there was more optimism at the beginning of the week that they'd be able to get a deal done by tonight than, than there is today, frankly. Uh, some senior leadership, particularly on the Republican side, have come out and said that there is a possibility that there will be a short-term shutdown tonight. Um, what they are now angling for is a continuing resolution to keep the government open over the weekend. Um, you know, maybe kick it to next week so they've got a little more time to get this worked out before Christmas. But, you know, we're, we're, 
we're up against multiple deadlines because we've, as I said, we've got Christmas coming up. Uh, you know, Congress doesn't stay in town for the holidays. In fact, most members were planning to leave tonight. And now McConnell has, has said that they're going to have to stay in town over the weekend. So if we do get a government shutdown tonight, it's not really going to be anything that really seriously affects the nation. You know, we're, we're, we're very close to a deal on the Hill. So any shutdown would be more of a, a failure to get their acts together to pass a short-term extension just to get us through the week. Um, and that's what happened last week. The government funding was originally set to expire on December 11th. Uh, they, they came up with a short-term one-week deal to kick it to this week. Um, and you know now it looks like they might need to kick it to the middle of next week just to give them a little more wiggle room for these negotiations. As you said, time is running out. There are still numerous bills ahead of them that they have to figure out. There's, you know, the COVID relief package that has been in the works for months now. It looks like we're very close to a breakthrough there. There is uh, the government funding package. And within that government funding package, we're getting a lot of other nuclear issues that have been wrapped up and, and put into that bill, including pipeline safety. So there is there is no shortage of things for them to do. And, uh, you know, after, after Christmas, this... Congress only has another week before they're gone. They're, they're before they're gone. They're done. Uh, they their term expires on on uh, January third. So yeah. running out of time. Yeah, they're definitely up against it there. So assuming they get this either today or next week worked out and this stuff passed, what is what are we looking at as nuka for things that are going to be good or bad for for our industry? So the biggest things that we're looking at right now, beyond just getting a government spending bill through, because frankly, a shutdown is good for nobody in this industry. Um, We're looking at the PPP tax forgiveness. That's that's near the top, frankly, because otherwise we could, you know, as a lot of our businesses, frankly, could get surprise million dollar tax bills if that doesn't get through. So that's that's very high on our priority list. Uh, Beyond that, we're also looking at the issue of, of CARES Act relief fund extension. If we go back to March, when they passed the, the CARES Act, they created that fund for state and local governments to use for uh, budgetary shortfalls and projects that aimed at, at helping the situation during the coronavirus pandemic. A lot of those state and local governments decided to use that funding for utility projects, uh, and particularly broadband projects. Um, you know, at a time when everyone is working from home, uh, telemedicine is increasingly important because folks can't go into their doctors in person. Um, and obviously anybody who has kids has had to deal with the, uh, remote learning. Um, you know, we've all figured out the value of a, of a strong, fast broadband internet connection. Now we didn't know it before we do now. Um, and lawmakers have taken notice of that. And so all across the country, they've, they've been using these funds for broadband. Um, the issue, however, that we ran into is, is because we were in uncharted waters, the process took some time to award bids for a lot of these broadband projects. And, uh, in, in many cases, money only started getting out the door in, in about August. Um, when they originally wrote the bill, this, this wasn't really something that they anticipated. And so the deadline that they gave state and locals to get this money out the door was December 31st of this year. Um, in order to get that money out the door, the projects had to be substantially completed. Well, you know, this isn't so much necessarily the issue in Tennessee, but if we look at, you know, our, 
our compatriots in, say, Nuka, North Dakota, the digging season is over <laughs> in yeah. a lot of the parts of the country right now. They, they can't put broadband in the ground because the ground's frozen. Um, and so we're in the issue. We're running into the issue where there are a lot of projects all around the country right now that, frankly, are in danger of having their funding yanked away from them because of this arbitrary deadline. So what we've been pushing, and we're, we're getting a fair amount of, uh, of, of buy-in from lawmakers on this, is a, a simple one-year extension to the deadline. I mean, the bills for these are, are one page. It's a paragraph. It just strikes the date that they originally wrote in and inserts December 31st the next year. Um, and it, it involves no additional federal spending. The government doesn't have to spend another dime. All they got to do is say, the money we gave you, you have longer to spend it. Um, so that's something that we're hoping gets through in, in this broader round of stimulus and funding talks. Um, while I'm talking about broadband, by the way, I, I guess I can kind of use that as a segue into talking about funding as well. Um, what we're looking at in every single bill that's come forward is a massive amount of funding for broadband expansion in this country. Um, there are lots of parts of this country that are still unserved or underserved when it comes to modern broadband internet. Uh, you know, there are, are wide swaths of this country that only have 10 down, one up. Um, and frankly, even the FCC standard of 25 down, three up is, is not fast enough. Uh, anybody who's had to do a video conference knows that three up is, uh, not exactly the best quality. Um, and you know, God help you if you're in a home trying to stream with, you know, five, six people all on different devices when you've only got 25 down. So in these bills, we're looking at billions of dollars in broadband funding. In fact, the most recent proposal that has been put forward for the stimulus package is another $6 billion in broadband funding. Uh, so, you know, lot, lots of money is coming in, and we're expecting a lot of that next year. Now, I know, obviously, you know, we here at NUCA, we always want to hear about water investment, right? Unfortunately, we haven't gotten as much of that as we'd like. Uh, there was talk of reauthorizing the state revolving funds for clean water and, and drinking water um, in the, uh, the, the Water Resources Development Act, WERDA. Uh, unfortunately, that is not going to be the case. Um, the House version of that bill never had the funding. The Senate version did. And uh, as they moved on with negotiations, it became pretty clear that they decided to adopt the House's approach. Now, that's not necessarily indicative of a, uh, a neglect towards water funding. It's really more of a difference of approach. NUCA has, over the year, developed a, a pretty good relationship with House Democratic uh, Transportation and Infrastructure Committee Chairman Peter DeFazio. Um, and DeFazio has told us that water infrastructure is a major priority of theirs in the next Congress, and that they're hoping to get a significant deal through, you know, billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars potentially, um, with water infrastructure SRF reauthorization uh, fairly early on next year. But, you know, that doesn't really help us right now. Um, so we're continuing to make the case that this is important. And we're continuing to make the case that this is something that, that needs to be considered with regards to stimulus legislation, government funding, um, you know, really whatever opportunities we have, but expect in 2021, as always, SRF reauthorization is going to be one of our major issues. And, uh, and with that private activity bonds as well, we're getting some good movement on that finally. 
I've been talking for like five minutes here, so Matt, jump in with it. <laughs> no, you're perfectly fine. You're the one with all the information, not me. I'm the one trying to get it from you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, man, that, that all sounds freaking awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I'd love to see those private activity bonds get moving a little bit because there's a, you know, I know that's always kind of a funny conversation with legislators sometimes thinking we're trying to take everything to the private side, and that's not really the case. Not at all. But, you know, we're actually getting in some su- some surprising buy-in on that from folks we didn't expect. Um, the private activity bonds issue, you know, lifting the cap, the state volume cap on uh, private activity bonds for water infrastructure. It's the brainchild of actually a Democrat, uh, Richie Neal, chairman of Ways and Means, worked very closely with Chairman DeFazio to get that into the, the Democrats' big infrastructure package they passed earlier this summer. That was a messaging bill. Um, you know, they recognized that it wasn't going to seriously go anywhere with the Republican-controlled Senate. And there was a lot of stuff in there that NUCA wasn't necessarily supportive of. But we were very pleased to see that the Democrats were actually willing to work with us on PABs. Because traditionally, as you said, that, that hasn't been the case. They've been nervous that uh, it means we're talking about privatizing water infrastructure, which is not at all what PABs are. Um, so we're very hopeful that, you know, we can finally see movement on what has been a long time nuke priority next Congress. Good. That's awesome. All right. Well, I want to follow up with you here a little bit about Washington summit. Um, you know, uh, that was the first one I was able to be a part of. I was not able to be on the Hill the year before and, and, and enjoy that part of it. And I thought this year's Washington summit went great. You know, we, you know, doing that virtually, uh, we, I never felt pressed to get off the phone with anybody at the, uh, everybody seemed to be very knowledgeable and interested in what we were having to say. So being that you guys are the ones on the Hill talking to these folks all the time, I kind of wanted to get uh, you guys' thoughts on how you thought it went. Well, I got to say, for a, uh, a first-time you know, all-virtual event, I thought it went very smoothly. And I was actually very pleased with how things went down, too. You know, I got to say, one of the uh, things that I think is going to stick around after COVID are these virtual meetings because it's just so convenient not only for the lawmakers, um, but also for us. You know, not everyone has the time to, to take a couple days off and fly into Washington uh, and, and walk around and, and meet with folks face to face. And while that is obviously something that we're going to be doing next year, as, if we're able or in the future, um, and there is definitely a lot of value to these face to face meetings. These virtual meetings are, are frankly a great supplement to that. And that's something that I hope that we can continue doing even after things return to normal. Um, as you said, you know, I think that because there's an added element of flexibility, uh, lawmakers can give you a little more time. Um, as members, we don't have to run around from office to office, so we don't have to build in that you know, 15-minute gap between meetings, which means mm-hmm. that each meeting can go a little longer or we can schedule more. Um, and folks are you know, very engaged and uh, Everyone was very receptive to what we have to say. One of the things that I love about working in our industry is nobody's ever going to slam the door in your face. <laughs> I mean, it sounds silly, but you know, everybody recognizes that what we do is important. Um, and we don't really have any enemies, you could say, on Capitol Hill. Uh, everybody is supportive of water infrastructure, even if they disagree about how we should go around funding it. Uh, so you know, what we do as NUCA members in these meetings is very valuable because 
you know, they may support it, but maybe they don't necessarily know a lot about it and know as much about it as they should. Um, but because we don't have any real controversy around us, they're usually willing to listen to what we as folks actually doing the work have to say. Um, you know, the one downside to, to the world of water infrastructure is that everything is underground. Um, and so we can sometimes be out of sight, out of mind. Uh, and that, I think, is really why these meetings are so important, because it is a reminder that, you know, this is the most essential infrastructure that you never see. Um, yep. and, and, you know, former Chairman Buckley always has a great you know, way of explaining it that, that he always brings out. He likes to say, you know, if he could take an old sewer line and just put it overhead. For one day, you know, like a power line would be just overhead one day on Capitol Hill, we would have all of our our, our water infrastructure issues fixed within 24 hours. Oh, yes, 100 <laughs> percent. Truth to that, honestly. <laughs> no, you, you're very right. It, it's it's out of sight, out of mind. And but it's awesome to know that everybody supports it, you know, it because it, it's it's something everyone needs. Everyone needs water to their homes to be able to drink, take a shower, flush a toilet, you know, gas and electric to heat and power their homes and broadband to be able to, in these days, work and communicate. So it, it's wonderful to hear that that everybody is supportive of our issues. Now they just need to get on the same page for funding it. And that is why engagement with your members of Congress is just so important. Um, you know, one of the things that I have really tried to make my, my mission since I came on board with NUCA is encouraging chapters to build relationships with their federal lawmakers and frankly with your state lawmakers as well, because that's an area that is all too forgotten about. Um, it is just so important that you have an advocate for you on Capitol Hill um, beyond me, because, you know, as, as much as I wish I did, I don't write the laws and I can't vote on them. Um, but your members, you know, they're elected to serve you. And it's important that you remember that and you remind them of that. Um, and when we do something that is so vitally important to the health of every single American, frankly, um, at a time like this, it's important to let them know that, you know, as we all know, the state of our infrastructure as a country is, is frankly not where it needs to be. Um, we have a need for water infrastructure alone in the hundreds of billions. And uh, it's high time that Congress recognized that and passed legislation to fix it. And the only way they're going to do that is if we remind them of you know, just how dire the situation really is. Oh, yeah. There's, a, there's, there's water infrastructure in, in the ground that's as pitiful as Flint, Michigan, all over the country. So, that, you know, there could be another Flint, Michigan happening at any point, And that's something that needs to be addressed. Um, all right, man. Well, we've been going for about 30 minutes here. So, I mean, do you got any, uh, anything you want to kind of close with on us? Well, I guess I'd be, uh, remiss if I didn't say, <laughs> I didn't talk about the elephant in the room. Um, we can speculate as much as we want about what's going to happen in the next Congress. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to come in at another time and talk about that, but we're not going to know for certain until the results of these Georgia elections come in. Um, you know, for, for when we look at the, the results of the November 3rd election, uh, we're ending up with a split Senate. Um, you know, right now there are 48 seats held by the Democrats and, uh, 50 seats that have been confirmed to be won by the Republicans, uh, with two seats currently held by Republicans. 
uh, up for grabs in Georgia right now. Democrats need to win them both to take the Senate. Uh, Republicans only need to hold one to keep control of the chamber. Um, and uh, well, what that what that means is that you know Georgia is effectively the center of the political universe because uh, what is, what's going to happen in the next Congress is kind of entirely dependent on those two races. So um, you know, keep an eye on that. Uh, there, there's a uh, 18 days to go. I want to say until we'll know what we're dealing with next year. But um, there's going to be a lot happening at NUCA advocacy wise in the next Congress. So stay engaged. Keep an eye on uh, NUCA communications. And as always, folks, if you have any questions for NUCA government relations, we are open and accessible to you. Awesome. Well, man, and I did. You said something there that that made me think of one more question that I meant to ask you, and that was. What, what can you give us NUCA members advice on if we want to get more engaged with you guys legislatively? What's the best, best way for us to go about that? So stay tuned because we're going to have some exciting changes for the Government Affairs Committee that are going to be coming down soon. Uh, we're going to talk more about this at the convention, but stuff is already in the works. Um, there, there are a few ways that you can always be involved, though. Uh, number one is just stay active and engaged in your chapter. If your chapter... Um, do y'all have a government relations committee? How's your government relations committee structured? Uh, here in Nuke of Middle Tennessee and Nuke of East Tennessee, we do not have one yet. Think about forming one. <laughs> um, <laughs> as I said, uh, you know, it's important to stay engaged not only at the federal level, but at the state level, um, especially because, frankly, your state lawmakers have a lot fewer people vying for their attention. You can make an outsized impact there. Um, and that is a great way to get started. Uh, is is just forming that committee and staying engaged. Um, other things you can do, uh, you'll see communications from us, uh, from the muster program, the muster grassroots program. Mm -hmm. Those come from me. Um, and those are a great way to just write your lawmaker, you know, and it only takes about five minutes of your time. Uh, the letters come pre-written from me. You can always add or change things if you'd like, you know, customize them to tell your story. But it's important to keep engaged with your representatives on Capitol Hill and, and let them know what you're thinking and what NUCA supports. Um, other things you can do, come to Washington Summit uh, or participate in virtual meetings. Um, and, you know, honestly, one of the number one things you can do, frankly, uh, that we're really hoping to be able to push next year once things get back to normal is you know, try to build that relationship with your lawmakers. Try to set up a job site visit with your federal or state representatives. Uh, there is nothing more that a politician likes than a photo op and a hard hat, and we can give that to them. Um, it's all about relationship building. It's all about, you know, telling them that we're here, that we're a resource for them when it comes to learning about our issues, um, and just reminding folks what's important. Uh, but I encourage every each and every person listening to this podcast to get more involved in government affairs. Um, there is certainly no shortage of NUCA priorities and NUCA issues that we're going to be working on next year. And everything that you do helps our organization advance our goals of, of clean water and better infrastructure across this country. Yep. No, you're, you're exactly right. And, and while we don't have an active committee for those things, I know both chapters here in Tennessee are working on developing those relationships like you've asked and setting up job site visits. And uh, we've got a pretty good relationship with uh, uh, Senator Blackburn's office. So it's, it's we're definitely working in those directions, man. So, man, we, we really appreciate you coming on today and, and, 
and giving us all this great information to to digest and some and some good insight to for what's coming man it, it's it was awesome yeah thanks for having me matt and as always if any of your folks have questions for me you know feel free to shoot me an email uh my my inbox is always open and uh you know looking forward to talking with folks at convention now, he, he's not kidding his inbox is always open it we went back and forth for quite a while trying to set this thing up and i had some family issues i had to cancel twice on them and so it was uh he was very very receptive so zach is always willing to help i know that for sure yeah thanks for having me on again i i really enjoyed this and you know i'd love to come on again sometime next year once we we know what we're going to be looking at man that would be awesome we appreciate it all right guys zach has left the recording uh, again i want to give a big thank you to zach for coming on had a lot of information to deliver us um deliver to us and and i can't i can't appreciate and say thanks enough for for zach and eben and what they do uh, on behalf of nuka in our industry every day on the hill and and representing our our interests so again thank zach we really appreciate that look forward to have you back on ma'am um all right guys uh i know i'm we're putting this out the day before christmas um and I, I actually thought about not putting one out this week being a short week and the holiday and everything but uh the information zach had was just too good not to put out so i hope you guys enjoyed it um again guys be on the lookout for information from both chapters uh wendy and natalie are both working hard to get events set up for next year uh and, and some stuff going on and uh unfortunately this is coming out the day after east tennessee's virtual holiday reception so um, but it sounds like everything went good and everybody had a good time. So I, uh, ho- I hope everyone enjoyed that. Um, but with that guys, we'll wrap that one up as always. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to myself, Natalie, Wendy, uh, we'll be happy to help you guys. Uh, so with that, y'all stay safe out there and keep digging Tennessee.